Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trade Deadline Special of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm alongside Chris Baker, and we have an action-packed, a jam-packed episode of 211's Baseball Talk for you guys today. We will talk about Marcus Stroman, about the Marcus Stroman trade, the Marcus Stroman return, the Eric Sogard trade, Bo Bichette's debut, David Phelps trade and return, Daniel Hudson trade and return, Joe Biagini and Aaron Sanchez trade and return, the overall grade for the Blue Jays, Zach Reiki to the Astros, and we will wrap things up with worth noting, no relevance zero this week as our episode is too packed, but very quickly, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, what a day, what a day, you know, it's funny because this seemed like it was going to be a very jam-packed trade deadline for most of the day. It was nothing to be talked about. And then all of a sudden, everything happened, especially if you're a Blue Jays fan. So I'm excited about this episode. How are you, Dylan, from New York State? I am phenomenal from New York State. So let's get right into things because we have no time to waste as I'm currently in the state of Marcus Stroman, actually. And we will get into that right now. The move that we had all been expecting finally happened as Marcus Stroman was dealt to the New York Mets. The Mets, the fourth place buyers, have landed one of the most sought after pitchers at the trade deadline in Marcus Stroman. First of all, what are your thoughts on the Mets actually actually landing Stroman? Uh, well, I think that the this is an interesting Mets move. It's <laughs> you can't put anything past the Mets. If there's anything I've learned in my life, you can't put anything past the New York Mets. I think the trade might not have been made by Brody and may have been made by Mr. Met, but uh, it was an interesting <laughs> trade. It was baffling, to say the least, and there's lots to talk about here. There's no question about that. What did you think of it? I thought it was the most Mets move in the history of the Mets. You know, this seems a long history of being ridiculous. Um, but first, they hire an agent as their general manager, a player agent as their general manager, in the offseason, and then this guy goes out and makes a trade for one of the better pitchers on the market in, in Marcus Stroman. And listen, this, this team is in fourth place in the NL East. They have no shot at competing. That division is jam-packed. There, there are so many good playoff teams in the NL. There are the Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, Braves, Nationals, Phillies, all ahead of the Mets, and the wild card is completely packed with the Giants even making a push out of absolutely nowhere. And there are three teams in their own division. I don't think there's a chance that the Mets compete this year. And maybe this is a move for the future, but Marcus Stroman's only controlled through next year, and maybe they extend him because he's from New York, and that's an advantage for them. But at the same time, is he really going to sign an extension with the Mets? So we will have to see what happens. But I thought it was ridiculous, and I thought it was the most Mets move of Mets history. Um, but we don't have much time to dive even more into that as we will move on. Marcus Stroman is a young guy. And so the Blue Jays could have, and some would say should have extended him. But both parties were nowhere near each other in trade or in extension talks. So what do you think was the breaking point between I the two? I think the breaking point was Marcus Stroman. I, I, it's funny because, and I know this may be even a topic for later, but uh, but I think it fits in well here right now, Dylan, and that is that uh, there's not a lot of love lost here. Um, you know, I, I know that's not a newsflash between Marcus Stroman and the front office, but what I'm really interested to, or to really follow and have been following since he was traded on Sunday was nobody cares. And what's interesting is when I say that, it's not that the fan base doesn't care. The fan base has gone berserk, but 
nobody save for Devin Travis has said a word from the clubhouse. Nobody from the coaching staff has said anything. Um, interestingly enough, Alex Anthopoulos didn't make a play for Marcus Stroman, and Alex Anthopoulos watched firsthand what he did in 2015, didn't want him on his team. I think Marcus Stroman was the problem here. Yeah, and that's certainly a thought that a lot of people do have. and I think it's, it's, a, it's a possibility because maybe the Strowman that we saw, the Strowman that we thought was a leader, that, we, that he came out and made all sorts of comments, ripping the front office, saying he wanted to be in Toronto. He loves Toronto. Maybe that was not a Mark, the real Marcus Stroman. Maybe that was the Marcus Stroman that Marcus Stroman wanted us to see. And maybe we just got played by one of the better actors in baseball because – it sounds like, it seems like, just judging the way that the Blue Jays players have reacted, as you mentioned, no one's really cared. And that's an issue for me, because if your teammate, that's supposedly some leader for the ball club, gets dealt to another team, shouldn't you be upset? And the, the players just have no, to. No, they haven't said a word, Dylan. And the other thing is, neither has the coaching staff. Uh, you know, the the first thing that came out was Ross Atkins really trying to play down the whole kerfuffle that was in the clubhouse. Marcus Stroman even admitted he's the one that caused that kerfuffle. And the reality is nobody even said anything after that. I mean, the guy acted like a two-year-old child in the clubhouse when he got traded. It's probably typical of everything you would possibly see behind closed doors with Marcus Stroman. I love your comment about the fact that he is the biggest actor in baseball. Quite frankly, that might be exactly the case. His whole tattoo on your chest of the CN Tower is probably garbage. It's on there. He did it. But I think it's more of a play to love me, hate the front office. And I'm kind of not buying it. What I'm hearing and seeing now since he's been traded is something where I couldn't believe. Uh, I, I just can't believe the reaction and the quietness. I can't believe the silence of his teammates, uh, the silence of the coaching staff, the silence everywhere about, you know, there's no, we're going to miss you. Thanks for all you did. You don't even see Kevin Pillar saying, Hey man, great to see you move on to a pennant race or something like that. Well, she's not in, let's be honest. But, um, you know, you don't even see former teammates. You don't see David Price reaching out on Twitter. You don't see anybody reaching out to Marcus Stroman, not one person. And to me, that tells me everything about who Stroh actually became all about Stroh, only about Stroh. He's the Stroh show in his own head. And he, you know what, to me, if that's the case, good riddance. See you later. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that I'm starting to to see as well, and that's something that I'm starting to think. Goodbye, don't come back, because um, it looks like he was he was a clubhouse cancer. He was the guy that we thought he was. You and I thought he was on the podcast last year. We thought that this guy was was who he. Yeah, seems Dylan. To be. Let me let me and interject this year here because we were... this is kind of interesting. Uh, hearing and I've listened to a lot of Sportsnet five ninety the fan over the last couple of days, just given the trade deadline and everything, and. You know, uh, Mark Wilner came on, Mike Wilner, sorry, came on and said, uh, and I think it was on uh, Scott MacArthur's show at about 9 or 10 a.m., saying he never saw anything negative from Marcus Stroman. Um, 
outside of the clubhouse. And of course, then he gave the caveat behind closed doors. I don't know what happened, which is fair. Uh, I think Marcus Stroman planned it exactly that way. He never, ever came outside of the closed doors of the clubhouse and made a scene other than a scene against his own front office. But he didn't make a scene about his former players. He didn't make a scene about anybody in the clubhouse. He didn't cause problems with the media. And that was meticulously planned. Remember, this is a guy who started a clothing brand called HDMH. If he is as good as he thinks he is at this, he's not going to do anything that hurts that brand. And so what he does is he comes out of the closed doors of the clubhouse and he acts normal and he gets the media on his side. He gets the fan base on his side and then rips the front office. And believe me, I have my own thoughts in the front office we'll get into today, but it is clear to me that when you don't have a Kristen smoke who has said tearful goodbyes to everyone traded from this team, has not said a word about Marcus Stroman on Twitter. It tells me everything I need to know about the actor that is Marcus Stroman. You know what? I think, I think you're right, but I do think we spent way too much time on this. And we just got into some kind of Alex Jones conspiracy I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, theory at all, he, though, Dylan. I don't. I don't. I, but that he's, that, he's, that he's planning to look good Absolutely. in front of the media. Absolutely. That's exactly That's, what he did. Okay. Okay. Okay, so we're going to leave it at that. Clearly, Marcus Stroman was not the guy we thought he was, and we talked about him being at the beginning of this season. But now let's talk about what the Jays got back from Marcus Stroman. The Mets' two top pitching prospects are who they got back, and it was good to see that they got pitchers and not shortstops. They got Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think I saw Ben Nicholson-Smith say Simeon. I might, I might be wrong. But uh, Kay had a 1.49 ERA in AA, but in a short stint in AAA, he struggled a bit. The outings that have that have been um, that have been bad for him have been the reason that they're that they, that the ERA is so high. He's just had a few bad outings, uh, but the comment section in your Facebook posts are rated by the fans as they rolled in on their big bandwagons, menacing and all ripping Shatkins more than we ever could and called the re- return terrible citing KZRA and high ERA and triple A is the main reason, but um, he's only had like one or two bad outings that have, and they've been really bad. And that ERA has just shot up. So I don't think he's that bad of a pitcher. And in Woods Richardson, they got a young guy. He's just 18. He's a ways away. This year in low A, Simeon is 3-8 and eight with a 4-2-5 ERA. So the ERA is respectable, but clearly not much run support or something because he's 3-8 and eight this season. The number that really jumps out to you, though, is the strikeouts per nine. This season, it is off the charts at 11.1 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been insane this year at striking out batters so clearly he's got a power fastball and he's got good stuff just he can't he can't seem to aim it right perhaps because that era is pretty elevated but uh did you like the return do you think they got enough back for strike? i think what they got back is what they should have got back for sanchez biagini and um what was the other kid's name that they sent out cal, cal stevenson Steven. uh i i think that return should have come in that trade, but we'll talk about that trade later, I know. Uh, when I look at this, I'm going to give our front office, Blue Jays fans, some credit. I know, I know, don't at me on Twitter. But I'm wow. going to give them some credit here for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the numbers aren't that bad, as you say. 
there was really a couple of outings that caused the numbers to flail a little bit. I believe we're going to see K in the big leagues probably even sooner than we thought, given all of these trades. Yeah. Um, I believe, though, that we will see him even before these trades uh, happened this year. What I do want to give them credit for is one thing that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have always said, and, and, and it started to really show, is they look at guys who have character, guys who are clubhouse guys, guys who are positive guys. And you might be saying, well, Chris, how in the heck would you even know if these two guys have character? And I think what you would look at is their Twitter feeds since they've come to Canada or at least been a part of this organization in Canada. Uh, they've both done a phenomenal job asking questions about Canada, getting people like the Canadian Hall of Fame and Dan Schulman involved in telling them all things about the CN Tower and different things they need to learn about Canada and poutine. And even myself, I tweeted at them that it's Kraft Dinner, not Kraft Mac and Alec Cheese. Alec Manoa. Uh, and Alec Manoa. <laughs> Alec Manoa What's was... What's that, uh... sorry? Alec Manoa was very involved, especially and they with poutine got, yeah. stuff. He, he actually replied to Anthony Kay and said, if they ask you if you want to poutine your fries, you always yeah, say yes. Exactly. So you've got even Alec Manoa get, chiming in uh, as potentially the future as well. And this is where, this is where I kind of understood. This is where I kind of got the character guy piece of this, right? And, uh, and at first, I was kind of with the Jays fan base, and I have seen my Facebook post on it and supporting the, the <laughs> front office with this move and getting destroyed on it. But, uh, but you can destroy me all you want. There is an element, and we know this from, from even youth baseball and coaching youth baseball, there's a huge element of coachability. There's a huge element uh, to success of a character guy in the clubhouse. And if anything is being shown by what they're doing on Twitter, these two kids, uh, that's what they were really after here. They'll help them develop physically. They'll help them develop the stats. Baseball's too much about stats at times and, uh, and doesn't follow that whole personality thing. I think there's a lot to be had here. Um, do I think it's the right return for Stroman? No. And we'll get into that. Uh, because I think it's the right return for the other guys. However, I do like that we have these two kids. They're character guys. They've got potential. And I'm excited to see where they go. I am also very excited. You know what? Anthony Kay started or pitched in the Futures game this year in Cleveland. So he's clearly got tremendous upside. And he was great in double A. It's just putting it all together in triple A. And he hasn't been there for very long. So we'll give him some time to to get things ready in AAA. And he has been, and he immediately shot up to one of the Blue Jays' top prospects um, in their system on the top 30. But I like the return. Do I think they could have gotten more for Stroman? Yes. I think maybe you get these two guys and another piece, maybe an outfielder not named Derek Fisher or, um, or another pitcher. But I think I like the return. I think Kay is going to be a tremendous starter. He's a lefty. He's got good stuff. The fastball is low to mid-90s. I think maybe he could ramp it up a little bit, but apparently the changeup is great. So I think Anthony Kay, we're going to see him at some point this season, as you mentioned, maybe sooner than later because Aaron Sanchez is now also gone. So that opens a spot in the rotation. Ryan Baraki is back on the 10-day IL. That opens a spot in the rotation. Anthony Kay is not on the 40-man roster, however, so they will have to uh, make some room for him. But with so many people leaving, I think they've got plenty of space to, uh, to add him there. And 
hopefully call him up very soon uh, because I think he's got he's got great stuff and I think he can be a great big league arm. I will have to see about that. Obviously, I'm not a professional scout, but I think he'll be he'll be a good good pitcher for the Blue Jays and Simeon Woods Richardson. I think he's great. I think he's got a good epic fastball, name too. Great, let's be honest. <laughs> it, it most certainly is. Um, but to the character guys, these guys, these two have been super involved on Twitter, more Anthony, uh, Anthony K than Simeon Woods Richardson, but Woods Richardson has also been very involved. They want to learn more about Canada. They want to learn more about the Blue Jays organization. They're super into it. And I mean, Anthony K's Twitter username might be one of the best in the world at Tony Bucket 23. <laughs> that is a phenomenal name. Um, but you know what? These are character guys, as you mentioned, and we talk about it in youth baseball so much. And I guess it's the same in, in Major League Baseball. They want coachable guys. And Kay and Woods Richardson seem to be coachable guys. So you know what? I think I agree with you there. Marcus, or Mark Shapiro, not Marcus Stroman. Two very different people. Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have been talking about character guys. And I think they have two character guys here that are going to be coachable and that are going to be phenomenal clubhouse presences when they come up to the big leagues. If you've got nothing else to add, let's move on to our final part of this segment, grade the trade. This is something we are going to be doing throughout the show, and it is everyone's favorite game (laughs) show. It's time to play grade the trade. So grade the trade. Marcus Stroman for Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony K. Oh, this is tough because again, I go back to the fact that this return would have been a phenomenal return for Sanchez and Biagini. Uh, and in that case, it would have been an A. But it came back from Marcus Stroman. And while I do understand and have understood more over the last couple of days the impact of character from these two gentlemen, um, I still, just given what the industry is saying, given what you're seeing from tweets, given that there were so many people infuriated by this return um, in baseball, I have to give it a C. I have to give it a C. A C. Yeah. That's a bit harsh. I give it a B plus, maybe an A minus. I think it was a decent return. Maybe not well, Dylan, let me, Stroman, let me, but let I think me, these guys have tremendous upside. Let me interrupt you because if, if there's character issues with Marcus Stroman that we aren't aware of, which is becoming more and more apparent the less and less his teammates say about him, that's positive. They just say nothing. And Mama always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, that's exactly what his teammates are doing. Which tells me that baseball knows there's character issues here. Then this may even be an A+. Uh, just simply because you don't want this guy on your team. And that may be why the Mets got him. <laughs> So there you go. I'm just going to put that out there and call it a potential A plus. That's a C. Those are two very different. I know we have teachers that listen to our pot. You know, if, if there's a teacher out there listening to us, which I know there are several, um, we love the teacher following. Can you please educate uh, my dad on grades and how spread out a C and an A plus are? Because that's a little bit ridiculous. I understand what you're saying, but I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a long way to go. Moving on to the Eric Sogard trade. Last week, we asked which day would go first, and it turned out to be Eric Sogard, who got traded just before Marcus Stroman uh, earlier in the game against the Rays. Um, 
and he got traded to the Rays. This move allowed Bobochet to come to the big leagues, which was basically the immediate return for that deal as two players to be named later were the true return, which basically, to sum it up, means that we are either going to get fringe prospects or the team isn't allowed to name the players yet. Since we don't quite know the return for Eric Sogard or how big it was yet, and how big was Sogard in mentoring the young guys such as Kevin Vigio? Well, let me comment a little bit about the return because it's kind of an interesting thing, and I'm glad you brought this up, and I'm going to sound like a negative Nancy on this uh, podcast throughout the the rest of it. But, uh, well, listen, listen, two players to be named later. Now, Tampa Bay has clearly given a list of here's four players you can pick in this position of, of the first player, and here's four you can probably pick from in the second. And eventually the Blue Jays will do that. And as you say, there's maybe people they're not allowed to pick just yet. Uh, the reality is there's names out there. The Jays know those names, and they will pick from them. There's two players for Eric Sogard. There's one player for our three we gave up in the Sanchez deal not a good player either so uh odd i'm just gonna give it odd i I know it's players to be named later but odd Mm -hmm. so before we get into the mentoring thing do you want to grade the trade it's hard to because we don't know who's coming back and i agree with that but yeah and that's the thing but if i'm comparing it to the last minute trade of sanchez uh I'm going to say this is an A because, I mean, you know, you didn't think you were getting anything from Eric Sogard. In fact, he didn't even break camp with the team, and he ended up having a career year. You weren't going to get any more out of him than you got. We're not going to the playoffs, and you got him on a one-year deal. This is a great return for Eric Sogard. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it a, a, a B because I think that for a guy who's hitting 300 like Eric Sogard, and who hit 10 home runs, career-high in home runs, a career-high batting average, I don't see how you didn't get more for him, how you didn't at least get a player that can be named, because we don't know who they got back. I mean, it could be an absolute stud of a prospect. It won't be, but it could be, right? So I would have liked to know who they got back, because my only fear is, with players to be named later, that they're only going to be fringe prospects. And with the season that Sogard was having, batting 300 is no small feat. So I think that Sogard, we, Sogard could have gotten us more. Unfortunately, he did not. So I'm giving it a B minus because I wanted to see who they were going to get back for Sogard. And I think they, got a, they could have gotten quite a bit back for a veteran guy who can mentor some of their young players. They've got Brandon Lau and Joey Wendell on that team who are two second basemen who, um, who are very young. They could use the mentoring from Eric Sogard. And Sogard is no slouch at the plate either. So I'm giving the trade a B minus. Now, talk, about, talk a little bit about how much he meant to Kevin Biggio and some of the other young guys. Well, I think he meant a lot, and I think he meant a lot. Uh, I think Eric, um, sorry, not Eric Sogard, sorry. Uh, Freddie Galvis means just as much, and I think that the Blue Jays, in trading Sogard, have kind of acknowledged that, that we still have that one leader here who's going to help these kids move along, and the one leader we kept is the one that speaks Spanish, which is totally understandable as well. Um, but boy, did he ever contribute. I mean, there, there's no question. Uh, there is absolutely no question that Sogard helped the infield, especially helped players, uh, understand the game, understand what it means to be a major leaguer. That's goes well beyond 
the game on the field. And, and so he brought a lot. You could hear that in Montoyo's comments. Uh, it helped Montoyo out and the coaching staff save for Shelly Duncan potentially, uh, but uh, it helped. <laughs> That's something we'll actually get into and work it helped. We will talk yeah, Shelly Duncan. Well, I don't think not we'll right talk, now. I don't know. He might, might have even been in that brawl in Cincinnati, but uh, um, but he, uh, <laughs> the, the coaching staff. Shelly Duncan possessed Amir Garrett yeah, in that I, moment. I, yeah, <laughs> after the Pirates uh, But I think that, you know what, it was, uh, it was, it was, a good move to move Sogard, but I think he made a huge impact on this team that will be missed. Yes, and I, I, I do believe that as well. I think he was a great leader. And unfortunately, he will be missed on this ball club. But you know who we have been wanting to see for a while and who finally came up on Monday? Bo Bichette! Bo Bichette! Our core is finally here, we hope. Uh, one of the key position players from the future core came up to the big leagues in Bobochette. At the time of this recording, Bobochette has played three games in the MLB. And I mean, I, I'm, I can't be the only one that's been super impressed by this guy. Coming into the league, everyone was talking about his bat speed. And boy, is that good. He's got a home run, a double, he's got an RBI, couple runs scored, I believe. And he has been looking like a natural in the leadoff spot. He's also looking like a possible future star. What have your thoughts, what have your first thoughts been on Bo? My first thoughts have been, how do you not like this guy? I mean, how do you not like what you're seeing? I, I, I mean, out of the three major prospects that came up, he's obviously had the fastest start. We all take that with a grain of salt. So for anybody who's going to at us with comments about that comment, we understand that it's three games, and we understand that he was playing the Kansas City Royals. My point is, everything has looked good. From a defensive standpoint, he's looked good. From a uh, hitting standpoint, especially, he's looked good. Got his first home run today and his first extra base hit in the same game. He had a great start. Uh, his dad, obviously, very proud. His mom looked proud, too. And, well, obviously is. And, uh, and you know what? I mean, one of the biggest <laughs> negotiations of trade deadline day, and I don't know with you being in New York, Dylan, if you saw it, but it was a big joke on the broadcast and it was, it was one on Twitter as well. The biggest negotiation of, of trade deadline day was getting his home run ball back from the ginger out in center field. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm happy to report as well as I'm sure everybody else has already reported. He did get his home run ball back, uh, but it was quite the negotiation that looked like out there between security and the gentleman in center field. Uh, it was, it was just a great weekend to watch. It was a great, debut for Boba Shett. Um, it's entirely possible that this kid is our leadoff hitter for many, many years. How, how do you not give a shout out to Charlie Montoyo, who game two says, you know what, kid, you're my leadoff hitter. And since he's been that leadoff hitter, completely raked. I mean, great move. Mm-hmm. I don't love everything Montoyo does. I think he's still learning as a manager, but that is a great move right there. Yeah, it was a phenomenal move putting him in the leadoff spot, and he looks great up there. He is going to be a great bat in the future, we believe, for the Blue Jays. And, I mean, we talked about the fast start for Bulbashet. Obviously, Vladdy didn't have as quick of a start to his major league career, but he's been hot lately. He's been probably the Jays' best hitter over the last 10, 15 games. And he's done it not only against Kansas City, where he hit his second career Grand Slam, but also against the Tampa Bay Rays. So he's clearly doing something right. And he did it against Cleveland as well. 
So Vladdy's been hot lately, but we have no time to continue diving into this because there are so many more trades to discuss. So let's talk about David Phelps, who was the Blue Jays' only trade on Tuesday. He went to the Cubs this season with the Jays. He had a 3.63 ERA in 17 and a third innings pitch. In return, they opened up the trade hatch and got Thomas Hatch, who is currently 4-10 and 10, with a 4.59 ERA. In Double A Tennessee, I have to credit you with that <laughs> joke because I was I was biking through Central Park when I received a text saying the Jays just opened up the trade hatch, and uh, I looked up who they got and it was Thomas Hatch. So he is four and ten with a four five nine ERA in Double A Tennessee right now. Thoughts on what we got back? My thoughts on the return is that my you know I mean this this return was good. I, I think that the reliever returns. And, and I'm not talking about the Pia Genie deal. I have my own thoughts on that deal. Uh, the <laughs> I'm talking about the just reliever for a pitcher or reliever for a pitcher, because that seems to be all we got, the trade deadline, which is great. We needed it. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like the reliever return here. I like A potential reliever. I like the return on these smaller deals. Where I don't like the return, and I know we'll get into it, is on the larger deals. And you know, this return itself, I'm, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it too. I think they could have maybe gotten something a little bit better than Thomas Hatch um, because I think maybe David Phelps was worth a little bit more than a guy who's 4-10 and 10 with a 4-5-90 ERA in AA right now. But um, you know what? I don't think it was that bad. I think he's going to be a depth starter down the road when this team competes. He's going to be a guy you bring up when an Anthony K or an Alec Manoa gets injured. That's, that's a guy, or Nate Pearson gets injured. That's a guy you're going to bring up. Thomas Hatch, and it might even be the next guy we're going to talk about who was in the return for Daniel Hudson. Um, but quickly, before we move on to that Daniel Hudson trade, it's time to grade the trade. So, you know how this works, fans. I know it's been such a long time <laughs> talking about Boba Shett. What's your grade uh, for the David Phelps trade? And that's... I have the same I'm going to give it a B. That's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad return for David Phelps. I think they maybe could have gotten something better. But uh, Thomas Hatch is not a bad return at all. Well, moving on to the Blue Jays' first deal of deadline day. They dealt Daniel Hudson to the Nationals for Kyle Johnston. Hudson owned a 3 ERA in 48 innings this year and was one of the Blue Jays' better relievers. In Johnston, the Jays got the Nats' number 27 prospect, um, who in A, sorry, in high A has a very respectable 403 ERA in 20 starts, totaling 105 innings. Johnson may very well have been the best return the Jays got on deadline day. So what are your well, thoughts I on mean, him? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good return. I think this is an A-plus return for this particular deal. Uh, I, you know, I, this is a really confusing trade deadline <laughs> because, because there's some deals here <laughs> that the Blue Jays made that make sense. This one's a good one. I'll give you that. Uh, but there's some real questions here. There, there are some real questions here. And uh, anyway, I won't get into that because you asked me about this deal specifically. But this deal, I like. Did we lose? No, you? no, I'm here. Uh, and we lost you actually. And I hope we didn't on the podcast. But ah. um, but I'm I'm guessing you asked me what my thoughts are on this trade based on our technological difficulties. Yes, the return. Uh, yeah, the return. Okay. Yeah, I like this deal too. Um, I think that Kyle Johnson is going to be a very good, very good pitcher. 
maybe he's the depth guy that the Jays are looking for in the future. Maybe he makes it into the rotation. I mean, he's got a 403 RA. That can be one bad outing that shot it over four. And I think people are very, and including myself, are very quick to to change what they think of someone based on on their ERA being in the fours. But 403 is a very respectable ERA. I mean, Mark Burley pitched the tail end of his career with a with an ERA in the 403, 405 range. So I think it's a good ERA. And I was pretty happy with the return for Daniel Hudson. Maybe they could have gotten someone else, but uh, grade the trade. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. Again, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the ERA. I, I mean, I hope people aren't worried about the ERA. Um, I know they are because that's one of the biggest stats that's, that's out there for pitchers. But uh, I like this trade too. Like I say, for the single relievers, the single one-to-one trades, uh, I feel like Atkins did a pretty good job on them. Um, I just have my thoughts on other deals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get into that deal. That's our next deal. But quickly, as I asked you to do before. Uh, well, this one in particular, B. I give it an A minus. I don't think it's that bad of a deal. Um, I think we'll take Kyle Johnson any day for Daniel Hudson. Maybe you get another piece, fringe piece, but uh, we'll take Kyle Johnston. Move the deal you have been itching and clawing and scratching to talk about uh, throughout this episode. You've been talking about this one since the beginning. You, kept, you keep bringing it up, um, but we have not talked about it. So, right before the buzz of the Blue Jays dealt Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini to the Astros for Derek, Derek Fisher. They also dealt Cal Stevenson. Forgot about Cal Stevenson. So, Joe Biagini, Aaron Sanchez, and Cal Stevenson for Derek Fisher. In Sanchez, the Blue Jays were giving up, on paper, the worst starter in baseball. But he has tremendous upside. Sanchez has the ability to fire bullets on the gun and has a great 12-6 curve. Biagini is a long man, a swing man, and a middle reliever who has been good at times this year for the Blue Jays. Uh, and they got Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher is basically a worse Cal Stevenson, and Stevenson is younger. Stevenson was, I believe, in single A. I think he was in Lansing. He wasn't having that bad of a year. He's not a bad player. But they sent him with Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini to Houston and got Derek Fisher, who has done absolutely nothing at the big league level but was a first-round pick and has been pretty good in AAA. I mean, is that really what we're going to be basing this on? Realistically, even with Sanchez upside, I knew we were going to, I think we all knew we were going to get a bad return, or not a great return. But uh, could they have gotten more? (laughs) Is Is that that the question question of the day? Uh, Listen. I feel like Ross Atkins maybe sneezed in the office and accidentally accepted a trade. I, I'm not really sure what happened here. The, this is the most disastrous, most despicable trade that Ross Atkins has ever made. Uh, this trade got absolutely nothing in return. And look, I get it. Blister Man is, is gone, and you're happy about that. And I, I understand that. The guy you don't understand of sense of humor, he's gone too. I get that. And Ross Atkins guaranteed looked at Joe Biagini and didn't understand what he was seeing. Uh, (laughs) I get it. He doesn't get his jokes. Uh, And Cal Stevenson, I don't understand that either because the scouts, what they were saying at spring training, uh, this kid had potential. This kid surprised a lot of people. This kid was absolutely a great find for the Blue Jays. And you dump him. Uh, And and you dump them for nothing. I mean, what has happened here? What was this trade? I, I don't understand it. Um, 
I have tried, as you know, Dylan, very clearly to not support this front office, but at least try to understand their direction, understand their thoughts. And I get it. Character is a big thing. Um, Listen, Aaron Sanchez had character. Joe Biagini had character. So you can't convince me they didn't have that. Aaron Sanchez had had ability. He he has ability. And he's going to go and he's potentially going to dominate in the bullpen in Houston. Uh I don't get this trade. I this trade in fact was the one moment where I have sat back with this front office and I've complained a little bit about the front office, but never to the extent of the garbage clowns as Andrew Stoughton would leave them on Twitter. I might have to be a garbage clown on this one. This one is so bad that I am convinced that Ross Atkins can't negotiate his way out of a paper bag in a trade negotiation, especially for multiple players. How do you get one potentially mediocre player for guys, three guys with huge upsides, upsides, Houston, absolutely won this trade without question. Oh my goodness. I did, I mean, I knew it was bad. I didn't think it was that bad, but I'm currently on Cal Stevenson's baseball reference page. And this might make you hate this deal a little bit more this year in 90 games at high a Dunedin. He is batting or he was batting 298, five home runs, 50 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, 50 walks, only 52 strikeouts, so two more strikeouts than he had walks. And he had a 388 on base percentage. He had so many doubles. He had, he had 24 doubles, or sorry, nine doubles, four triples. He had 50 RBI in the 90 games. I mean, what, was, what were they thinking? This was the single worst trade of the entire trade deadline. And I'm saying that now, not only because of Sanchez upside and what he's going to bring to that Astros team, but because of Cal Stevenson. Why would you trade Cal Stevenson? That is ridiculous. Cal Stevenson has so much potential. He could be a star in the big leagues, but you trade him. You trade Cal Stevenson, who is batting 298 at high Dunedin right now, who hit 474 in Bluefield last year. Like, are you kidding me? Cal it is Stevenson, an absolutely despicable it is, trade. It's the worst trade of the trade deadline for the Blue Jays. Cal Stevenson is probably worth one of the Astros' top 20 prospects on his own. Add Aaron Sanchez and Joe BG to that mix. It's a top 10, maybe even top 5 prospect. Just awful. Oh, my goodness. I didn't, I didn't see how, how good Cal Stevenson was. And while you were going on your tirade against the front office talking about this deal... I sat there with my jaw dropped, not at what you were saying, no, but at Cal Stevenson's baseball reference page, because Cal Stevenson is going to be a great player. He is a phenomenal talent who is doing things right now in Dunedin, and the Jays lost a good one for nothing. Derek Fisher is batting 286 in AAA, and he's got 14 home runs, only 36 RBI to go along with it. He strikes out way too much. He's got no arm from the outfield, barely a good defender. He can't do anything at the big league level. I don't – oh, my goodness. I don't know what we got back for these guys. Now, well, obviously, this is, this Ross Atkins' terrible 18th trait. cousin seven times removed because somebody <laughs> has something on Atkins to get this kid in, in for three players. I mean, that I, – I, I have no other words for this. I don't understand this deal. I'll never understand this deal. This is the most despicable deal in the Shapiro – Shapiro, pardon me – Atkins reign and 
uh, because it just doesn't make any sense. There's just no sense to be made of this deal. Um, look, I get it. <laughs> Sanchez had blisters, but in the last three starts, Sanchez has been much better. Biagini was nowhere. Biagini himself should have returned more in this deal than anyone else. And, and that's where this is a huge issue for me. This is a terrible, terrible trade, and I don't get it. So, with all of those good things we just said about the trade and the front office, it's time to grade the trade. F. F here as well. Brutal trade. Moving on to the overall grade for the Blue Jays with the trade deadline now complete. What is your overall grade for what the Blue Jays did? I'm going to say a D, and I'm going to say a, a D because D, that wow. F really brought it down. Uh, you know, there were a couple of a couple of potentially good trades, but listen, Dylan, this is again going back to this. <laughs> the only good trades were between were involving middle of the road relievers. Uh, which can't bring the overall grade to anywhere near an A because they're just middle-of-the-road relievers. Then you've got a guy who was your number one, regardless of who you want to call him or what you want to call him, Marcus Stroman, and you've got a mediocre return that probably should have been the return for Sanchez, Stevenson, and Biagini. But, of course, they didn't go to the Mets. But that's the kind of return I would have expected for those three with a higher return for Stroman. I have to give them nothing more than a D and at best a C minus here. I'm going to give them a C plus. I like the deals for Johnston and Hatch. And if I'm being honest, I like K and, and Woods Richardson as players. Well, well, but I do too. But, but my point I know, is, I know, I know, I know. Stroman I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Stroman should have been better. The return for Stroman should have been better than K and Richard, Woods Richardson. But I think those guys have a shot to do something in the big leagues. I mean, that trade, the Sanchez trade, was just brutal for the Blue Jays. And that's what definitely dragged their grade down. But you know who I would give an A on trade deadline day? The Houston Astros. Because they got Aaron Sanchez, <laughs> Joe Biagini, and Cal Stevenson for nothing. But guess who else they got? They got Zach Greinke in what was likely the biggest splash of the deadline. With the rotation now featuring Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Wade Miley, do they have the best rotation in baseball? Absolutely, they do. They're on their way to a World Series. Congratulations, Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini on your rings, because uh, that's what's going to happen here. And uh, Cal Stevenson, hey, if you get a if you get uh, up fast enough, you might be involved in some great stuff for the Astros too. So, uh, you know, good for them. And uh, yeah, the Astros absolutely in the end probably won the trade deadline. They probably did. Not a worth noting as we are finally closing out this very long episode filled with technical difficulties that you guys will not be aware of with my wonderful editing skills. Um, Alec Manoa made his pro debut on Saturday, going one inning, allowing one hit, no runs, and striking out two. Only pitching one inning. I'll give you, I'll give you that, but it is for, it's his first pro game. I was impressed by what I heard. Um, how far do you think he will go this season? Uh, how far will who go, sorry? Alec Manoa. Sorry, you cut out there. Uh, yeah, Alec Manoa, I think, can go a fairly long way, uh, depending on his results, of course. The season coming to a close shortly in Vancouver is going to be a troublesome piece to this. But, um, 
it, it, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, ex- I'm very excited to see where Alec Manoa goes and all this. Mm-hmm. I am as well. I think he'll go a long way. Maybe, maybe end up in Dunedin this, the end of the season. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm hoping that's where he does end up. Um, Shelly Duncan, he's being reassigned to the Blue Jays front office, apparently. <laughs> I mean, maybe he'll, he's, he's going to be the guy who knocks some sense into Ross Atkins. What do you think Shelley did to get this promotion or demotion or I don't know what to call it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I, I don't think there's been any details as far as uh as far as where this has come from and what this is all about. But um it's uh it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh I didn't expect to see him moved out of the coaching staff mid season not even mid season, later than mid season. Um, that's for sure. So, you know, something big, obviously, uh, hearing that there's, there was potential that he was on the outs with the coaching staff well before this, um, obviously that's the case. And, and now was the time. I I really don't know. I actually thought the kerfuffle in the clubhouse might've had something to do with him. Um, just because of this, but, uh, I think, you know, who knows what happened here? Uh, very strange. I've got no idea. Now, quickly recapping these smaller deals from the deadline. Sergio Romo was dealt to the Twins from Miami. Jason Vargas was traded from the, I guess, competing, but probably really not Mets, to the Phillies. Jesus Aguilar was dealt from the Brew Crew to the, to the Rays, no Jays, for Jake Faria. Um, the, the Rays almost liquidated their bullpen, just keeping the good pieces. But, you know, never fear. They have ridiculous amount of depth. I think it was a strange approach to the deadline because they're a competing team, but they traded away quite a few pieces from their bullpen. The Yankees, they did not get a starter, but maybe Davey Garcia, who they held on to, could come up sooner and help them out down the stretch. Anything you would like to add? No, I, I not, not at all. <laughs> Nothing to add on that one at all. Yeah, so the Rays took a strange approach to the deadline, and the Yankees need a starter. We'll see if Davey, Davey Garcia is that guy. So, this has been episode 37 otherwise known as the trade deadline special of two love is baseball talk we very much hope you enjoyed we apologize for any technical difficulties we may have had throughout this episode it is a little bit difficult uh, recording a podcast with one person in new york and one person in canada so we thank you all very much for tuning in and we will see you all next week